This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I did start late today, but I'm making up for it. If you've been listening, you've probably had to take a, a break because we have been going absolutely rapid fire on Ask the Libertarian. I do this show every once in a while. People, I get a lot of positive feedback. So lots of people love it. And I always collect many, many questions from Twitter, Facebook, my website. You can email me, MonicaPerezShow.com. My Twitter's at MonicaPerezShow. But I always go to the calls first. So in all these Ask Libertarians, I hardly ever get to the questions that came to me through those social media avenues. So this time I'm doing the opposite. If I run out of this stuff, I will go to the calls. But I... Uh, I have so much of it that I feel like if I'll, I'll go as fast as I can. If you can, I'll go as fast as you can listen. Hopefully you can listen as fast as this New Yorker can talk. And uh, I have some help in the studio. Brad is helping me produce. Hi, Brad. Hi, Monica. All right. Am I going too fast for you? No, you're good. It's right. good speed. Are you following what I'm saying? Because if I'm saying, if, you, if I'm not clear, you go ahead and tell me like I... Sometimes I go a little too, I uh, get a little too ahead of myself. So stop me if you think I need to explain, but let's just keep going with the rapid fire. Give me what you got. All right. Ridgeway says, libertarians are shills for the 1%. Why can't you see that? Wow. Uh, I, I actually, I've heard that question in the form of Ron Paul is controlled opposition, which refers to the old Lenin quote that... What's the best way to control the opposition? It's to run it yourself. So you put your guy into the other team and they'll make sure that the other guys don't get too too much power or move the pendulum too far in their own direction. And I've seen some of that in the liberty movement, sadly, but you see it in everything, the Tea Party movement. My mother is a big Tea Partier from the beginning, and she said there was a schism where it went from just being about taxing, taxed enough already, tea, to also to then just incorporating all the platforms of the Republican Party overall. So, so that I would consider kind of infiltration. And I see corporate libertarianism which anything that gets a ton of media that's uh, uh, for me anything on and i don't want to call out specific people i just think that's kind of nasty because i know people are trying hard and i don't think they're they're thinking they're going to undermine the liberty movement i don't think that gary johnson picking bill weld who wasn't even a very good republican much less a good libertarian that he means to undermine the libertarian party the libertarian message and libertarians on fox or whatever i love john stossel but and I do love John Stossel, but sometimes I think that the people who fund those organizations, not Fox, but other liberty organizations, go out of their way to focus on things that benefit them or 
that aren't really a threat to the system. And I and with Ron Paul, I actually thought very hard about this for a very long time. And I have absolutely, for me, I am satisfied that he is true blue. But I, but I don't think that's true for everyone. So when I, or for every organization. So I always, if, if people aren't, if people are offering policy prescriptions for policies that, that are causing problems and could just be removed, if they're caught, if like when libertarians celebrated the gay marriage decision by the Supreme Court, they're, they were saying they like that people have this liberty. And I appreciate always erring on the side of more liberty. However, liberty is really the absence of government interference. So what you want in the gay marriage issue is subsidiarity. You want the 10th Amendment. You want that stuff to be taken care of at the state level, at the local level, even the, the gender bathroom issues, transgender bathroom. If we had... If private property were restored, if the government didn't own so much of everything, if they didn't determine that a mall owned by a private party was public property, which it isn't, but that's how it's defined, you wouldn't need a law of how that private mall owner def- t- defines his bathroom. I just, you wouldn't need that. So when libertarians come out for policies one way or another, rather than just saying, get the government out. So minimum wage is a big example I use where... We argue against minimum wage. Of course, I don't want minimum wage. But why do people think it's necessary? They think it's necessary because they believe that the system is rigged. They believe that corporations, big companies that have all the jobs, have rigged the system so that you couldn't have a little startup. You couldn't hire somebody you wanted to. You couldn't create your own job. And and to a large extent, or in some cases, that is absolutely true, that you really... There are that these what I call regulatory barriers to entry. Uh, it's the pot industry was a great example. I just wrote an article about it. There's they are talking about regulating it so that you have to measure the THC, you have to package it in a certain way, you have to uh, I, I don't know what has to conform to all these standards, which of course means that you can't just grow it and sell it to your friends. And growing it and selling it to your friends is probably much healthier than having it pre-packaged and corporatized and sanitized or whatever. But if you put all those regulations on there, then you have this potential for a big pot industry, which you can see as soon as I heard that George Soros was behind, was funding some of the uh, movements behind legalizing pot. As a libertarian, I want to end the drug war. But why does George Soros want to legalize pot? Why does anybody? But a lot of big money people are investing in big pot operations. And how do they? It's a weed that grows in your backyard. What makes them think they could possibly make that profitable? Because they know that there will be regulatory barriers to entry to protect them. So when some people talk about the minimum wage or whatever, if if libertarians will argue for that, I argue for it. But I always include the problem is... There are too many privileges in industry that keep people from working. So from working for themselves that make people have to funnel into corporations. And if you want to get a little bit down the rabbit hole, there was a book, The Crisis of Democracy by the Trilateral Commission that called for trying to get people corralled into non-democratic institutions like unions, universities, corporations, where they wouldn't have a vote but they would depend for their livelihood on that institution. 
And I think it fits right into that, that we have this corporatization of America. And that's what I would rather focus on than minimum wage. So I understand why people think that uh, I think when you have the corporate libertarian influence telling picking and choosing the issues it does play into some of the things that we actually uh, with eyes open would fight against speaking to that would you say that that's a a good measuring stick whether they are trying to add regulation versus taking away regulation as as to determine if they're controlled opposition or not Explain that to me again. I don't get it. If uh, you're looking at somebody and you're saying, is this person controlled opposition or if they're not, is one of the questions, I think that's what yep, you were saying, yep. one of the questions you would ask is if they're trying to add more regulation or if they're saying get rid of the regulation. I would say this, okay, that I was at, on a panel not too long ago where the argument, it was a conservative guy, I think he calls himself a conservatarian, which he says he does not in- invent that term, but he was using it because it was already invented. And he said the problem with libertarians is that they act like there's a clean slate. So they want to address the world as if there's a clean slate and we just need to opt for the solution of liberty in every single case. And what they don't recognize is that it's not a clean slate. This is a, a, a junked up world that we need to navigate and tweak so that we can have our little pockets of freedom or whatever, do the best we can in the circumstances that we have. And I say that that is the mistake. That is the trap. What you want to do is look at that slate that is not clean and never, ever think of where you can squeeze something in, but rather think of what you can erase. So if anybody's ever telling me the policy solution that will band-aid over a policy failure, I will say that is a, a not libertarian solution. All right. Wrong Kitty wants to know. She (laughs) says, I work in the substance abuse field, and I believe the war on drugs is a failure. I think libertarians are misunderstood on this subject of the drug war. Will you please address this? That's actually a great follow-up to what I was just talking about, because it provides an example of when I always like to point out the problem with the existing government regime, structure, architecture, people want to end the drug war. I want to end the drug war. But George Soros wants to legalize pot. So why? Is it it just corporate profits? I don't think so. I think he's one of those guys, and you said who's us and them. He's one of the them who's working actively towards a more highly controlled society. And oh, a great resource for that is Carol Quigley who was a mentor of Bill Clinton, his book, Tragedy and Hope, talks about who them is. And he proudly says they're trying to construct the world in a certain way, control it for our own good. So they don't necessarily think they're doing a bad thing. But when you look at the drug war, you have to say, what what might George Soros want? Might he want, not to impute base motives on him, but it's so easy, uh, he might want a dumbed-down electorate. He might want people to... uh, vote a certain way and and maybe it's a, a deliberate low information voter like uh, Charlotte Eiserbright wrote the book The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America this could contribute to a deliberate dumbing down of America so what do I say when I talk about the drug war drugs have absolutely ravaged my family Dur- granted dur- while they were illegal so I don't think it could be any worse certainly not for my family 
But when we talk about legalizing drugs, I want to make sure people understand that the welfare state is a moral hazard, a moral hazard when it comes to drugs, that they will, uh, if people can't, in, in, this, in a free society, I think the regular rate of drug abuse is like 2 to 3%. People just have that addictive thing. But if you have to get up and eat and work, you can't sit or you know, you die if you just sit around doing drugs. You can't get the money for drugs. I was watching the six, my 600-pound life a couple of times. It's very depressing. But you wonder where these people are getting the money for food, and I can only assume it's food stamps. That's called a moral hazard. Likewise, the welfare state is a moral hazard when you have legal drugs. But, but the reality is even... Even that probably wouldn't result in extreme drug abuse. What I actually object to is when people say that drugs should be taxed. Because when you give the government, or that the government should highly regulate it, or it should be a government monopoly, that's, that's been true in some places at some times. Once the government profits from drug abuse, then they promote it and that's when the only example i ever saw of really high rates of drug abuse i know the china situation is very is a very complicated issue but i just happened to anecdotally notice that in the history of iran they had an 18 percent opium addiction rate at one point and it was because the government was basically going under and they then they got the money for the opium it was a government monopoly so they pushed it so if you if you're going to give the i would never tax it because i don't want the government to benefit from it they should not they should wash their hands of that kind of stuff and just have a free society. So I always try to point out the moral hazard of having uh, the those liberties in a society that kind of sets you up for failure. So I have to go to a break, but there are lots more of these questions. I'm telling you, I get so many. I never get to them when I take the call. So we're going to be back after break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back. I do have time for another uh, question. I, I am Monica Perez doing Ask the Libertarian. I'm having help, uh, production help from Brad. Brad, give me another question. A.H. says, I heard you talk about how the United States should only use the military for self-defense. I like the idea. If provoked, we should unleash everything we have on that enemy in order to send a strong message to the rest of the world. However, I was hoping that you could elaborate on how this would translate to our allies. Do we include them under our umbrella? I would, first of all, I never said unleash <laughs> everything you got to, to send a message to the rest of the world. I would never do that. I just, you have to defend yourself and that's it. One, a libertarian tenet is the non-aggression principle. So you can't uh, start aggression on somebody else. You can defend yourself from aggression and I absolutely believe that. I would... Go back. I recommend that uh, he goes back and reads the farewell address of George Washington, who said, beware of entanglements, both allies and enemies, that you have to distinguish what is the purview of your your actual government, where you force people to tax, whatever. So there was for a long time, and and it's a position called continentalism where your valid allies are your physical ally is your physical uh partners so we have two oceans and we have canada and mexico and that's really where alliances should extend so if you have a valid treaty for mutual defense uh i would say that that yes you can define defense in that way 
but I've got to take another break, and then we'll go into the home stretch of Ask the Libertarian. This is Monica Perrette. I am the Libertarian Voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6. I started late today. My apologies. And we have... It has flown by because we are doing rapid fire, Ask the Libertarian. So normally I take calls on this, but I'm not doing that today because I had such a backlog of tweets and Facebook posts and emails from all the Ask the Libertarians where I, where I ended up just getting... Uh, call after call. So I thought it was a, a good idea to kind of reward all the people who took the time to write those questions. And, and they're good questions. They, uh, I, I did get them, but I pass them on to Brad, who's helping me produce today. Hello again, Brad. Hi, Monica. So he is just firing them away at me. And if I... Uh, I'm doing my best to make it crystal clear. Feel free to make me stop and explain, but rapid fire, I got to just throw out what I got. So what you got? TR says, I have libertarian views, no doubt about it, but not all by any means. The idea that one picks an ideology and then subscribes to all planks contained has always been an issue for me. Do you have an issue with that? That is interesting. And I hope I understand completely what he's saying. Here is my observation on that. I have noticed that the libertarian, this is why I'm a libertarian. I look at the Republicans and I look at the Democrats and for some, it's, it's like the Democrats are, just to simplify, you know, the welfare party. And the Republicans are the warfare party. And I, I would actually, I would actually say that the Democrats, I believe the voters and the politicians both agree on that. With the Republicans, I think the politicians actually want war and try to uh, convince people that war in foreign countries is self-defense. So then they play on the people on the right who believe only or, you know, to the extent that you believe in the premise, the the tenets of just war, you can only have a war that's defensive. So I think that the, that the voters on the right are, are deceived a bit by their politicians, but it's based on the left and right thing where the, the Democrats will play on people's f- insecurity of the need a safety net, their fiscal insecurity, and the people on the right are played upon by their physical insecurity. That's how they do it. So, why not have a so when they compromise when the democrats and the republicans in washington compromise they compromise on both they'll both say well this is a trade-off you give me your welfare and i'll give you your warfare and vice versa i mean you can actually read it in the wall street journal why do we have this huge deficit because the republicans had to give obama his welfare in order for him to give them their defense spending or whatever it is so that that crazy compromise and then but for me the correct compromise, the compromise our founders recognized as the only just compromise is the libertarian compromise where they say neither. You can't have either. You have to have a small government that doesn't go out uh, intervening in foreign affairs or redistributing wealth. But I, but I had to wonder if there was something else to that weird thing that every single issue, every party, everything that's pumped by the media, even down to... Black Lives Matters episodes or the Bundy Ranch. These things always have two sides. The Zimmerman 
Trayvon Martin thing. It's never a clear cut example of uh, of guy. I had a black guy call the other day and say, I got I get stopped in the car. I don't do anything wrong. And I still get hassled by the cops. Whereas. You know, and you don't see and, and that you don't see like you don't those are not what the videos are. You see the videos and they're always like, what really happened? Oh, you didn't see the beginning or the end of that video. Oh, this guy was supposedly wanted for robbery or the cop didn't know or the Bundy Ranch thing. Well, it's federal land he's on, but he's got some complicated legal argument for that. And I tried to understand why there's always two sides and there's always two sides because they want you to be at odds with each other or they want you to vote or form your opinion based on how much more wrong the other side is so i feel like tr has a problem with parties because parties are set up just like all these major issues they're set up to make sure that the other side has something to hate and i would say uh, as far as the you know the ron paul libertarian i think doesn't fall prey to that but i do feel like we will the libertarian party uh is increasingly in the crosshairs to be uh compromised in that way so we'll see what happens it's kind of like the left and right or the stereotypes are more easy to exploit than the middle libertarian what do you mean well if you if you have a uh, the simplified version of the left and the right and that's the stereotype where if they fall under all of the planks, they can exploit the extremes, whereas libertarian has the more reasonable. Yes, although they're considered extreme. Yeah, The exactly. libertarians are completely considered extreme. And they used to say that Ron Paul's, this is what people would say to me. You, Ron Paul is great on taxes, fiscal stuff, but his foreign policy is dangerous. These are voters, you know what I mean, yeah. who are convinced. Now, tell me, when you blow up countries like Libya and Syria in Iraq, who have secular Arab strongmen, I'm not going to say they're not strongmen, but when you blow up those countries and their prisons open and terrorism spreads like wildfire and millions of refugees flood out, how is that the less dangerous <laughs> path than a policy of rigid, rock-solid self-defense? I don't know. Propaganda. There you go. And it was very effective. All right. I wonder how you reconcile what I assume to be the pure libertarian position on the restroom question <laughs> with your reasonable outlook. Well, the pure libertarian position being what do you think he meant by that? I, 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 I think he wants to know, I guess, what the... What do you think is the pure libertarian question? A position on that? I... I'm not even, I'm not caught up on this issue. I'm right, not, are so they the, trying to give a law to it or, or take a law away? I'm not really. So it's the, the, I did notice a lot of libertarians had the rainbow flag uh, after the gay rights uh, Supreme Court decision on gay marriage. So I assume what what's happening in the liberty movement is everyone should be able to do what they want. And it's true. You cannot have social legislation and be a libertarian. You cannot tell people you cannot the government can't define marriage i mean you might want to and in your culture your community your church as a libertarian you can have a huge swath of land that every single person who's connected to everybody else has all the same views on everything and you have that culture and you agree unanimously on rules you can do all that stuff you can do whatever you want but what you can't do is have the government tell you 
what to do on your private property. So if the government wants to tell the mall that they have to let uh, transgender people use whichever bathroom they choose, that's a violation of libertarian standards. But I want to say something about the, the bathroom issue. Two things. One is that North Carolina law, I said from the beginning, before there was any public press about it at all, when here in Georgia, it was a Religious Freedom Act, I said, I'm not going to answer the question. Like, I read it. I never know what the implications are of policy because they write it just so that they can exploit it in a in a subtle way later. People call it unintended consequences, but I personally think it is the intended consequences. So I read the law, and then I read the Bill of Rights of Georgia, and I read the Bill of Rights of the United States, and I thought, I don't think it adds anything to that. I think you should fight the fight at the in the courts and defend the Bill of Rights of the state or the country or whatever. You don't need to create this legislation and the legislation will, br- I did a show, I talked about it on a show, the legislation will bring down the wrath of the whole country on you. And that's exactly what Georgia backed down. Deal, I think, vetoed it and then people backed off because he knew it was coming. And North Carolina didn't. They, they went forward with it and and the way they worded it, it's uh, if I could see it coming, those guys could see it coming. And the way they worded it was funny. They said, on your birth certificate, which is a crazy thing, you, that, that you should use the bathroom according to the gender on your birth certificate. Now, how could you... That's actually not... Shouldn't be the deciding factor. First of all, you don't have your birth certificate with you. And second of all, if you actually had a sex change operation so that the actual equipment in those bathrooms is suited to you, and that's also something that can... God forbid, I don't want to think about it, but be verified on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really don't have the equipment for that kind of mischief if you've actually gone. So that was a funny way of wording it. But what was really, really uh, telling about that was the reason North Carolina did that law is that there was a subordinate government that wanted to do the opposite law, wanted to force people to have transgender bathrooms. So then the state said, we're going to force you not to have transgender. It's always about force, 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 force. That's not a libertarian position. But but subsidiarity is a libertarian position. So and And that's a position of the right, because the right are individualists. The left are collectivists. So the right should always want the family, the individual, the smallest possible level to address a problem. Your community, your church, if you want. Uh, you know, only go up to the town or the state or the national if if you absolutely have to. And at those levels, it's really just border security, you know, that that you really need somebody else to step in. So I feel like when North Carolina came in with that law, which uh, quashed, I guess, or squashed a, a lower subsidiary government's law, it was a way to get their foot in the door for the right it was an issue from the right for the right to concede on uh, on the issue of subsidiarity to say, well, the state laws can supersede local laws if the cause is good enough. And those are the kind of compromises you really have to be careful of. Give me one quick one. You got a quick one? Yeah, I like this question from Liberty Warrior. What is your view on vaccines? Okay. I uh, actually did a, a show on it not that long ago and i told my position and it was so polarizing it was just one of those shows where i feel like nobody even heard what i said but i i have three kids and i would say that i think i counted up that that i that i had them have uh 
close to 200 vaccines, if you individually count it up among my three kids, something like oh, in the 60s, each one. I The only one I ever refused was Gardasil for my daughter because I it just it hasn't been around long enough. I don't think it's harmless. I don't know. But I don't know. And I and I feel like that is a prevented preventable disease with education. I just I'm not doing it. But I, I did think about like chicken pox. I gave my kids a chicken pox vaccine, which I thought was kind of weird that you had to have a check. I had chicken pox. It was no big deal. And if you get it when you're a kid, you don't get it when you're old. So maybe it's better to have as a kid. So I wondered about that. Could we question the chicken pox vaccine? Because maybe it's better to have it as a kid. And then I read that fevers as a kid develops an immune system uh, the a secondary immune system that's instrumental in fighting cancer. I don't know if that's proven or theory or what. So I thought, well, what the heck? You know, why not let the kids have chicken pox? So I gave them basically 200 vaccines. I said no to one. And I questioned having agreed to three. And I got more. Uh, you're an anti-vaxxer. What's wrong with you? I got more, uh, you know, almost as much abusive fan mail as I could have, or mail that I, I could have gotten because it's really an untouchable subject. But I would just say on vaccines, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking the question. And as a libertarian, you simply must have the choice. You absolutely cannot have mandatory vaccines. Okay. Well, one more question after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back in the home stretch with Ask the Libertarian. I think I have one more question. Maybe time for one more question. Brad, you got one that uh, we can fit in in the, these last two minutes of the show? I think so. Okay, let's have it. How do you propose America deal with Islamic terrorism? Whoa. <laughs> really? That's what you think is a two-minute question? That's funny. You're messing with me. I see that. Yeah, that's that's cute. Really cute. Uh, how does America deal with Islamic terrorism? I think that Islamic terrorism has... Let's just say I would, I would point people... I'm going to try to use my two minutes wisely. I would I would point people to the Defense Intelligence Agency document from 2012 that was leaked recently. That's on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, that says, basically, we want to take Assad out, but people aren't going for it. So there's a talk of a budding Salafist principality, which is basically an Islamic state, on the border of Syria and Iraq. And I think the quote is, that's exactly what the Western powers want as an excuse to unseat or destabilize Assad. So for me, I would deal with radical Islamic terrorism by not giving the government what they want, by telling them to stop uh, uh, making way for this stuff, stop taking out secular Arab leaders, just stop doing the things that make it worse and and then we, it really will not be uh, a big problem. So that was absolutely not a two-minute question. Uh, so let me let me just say I will I will dedicate an entire show to that it, coming up. And the uh, the I do talk about it a lot though, so people probably understand. I would just say do not let fear uh, let them take 
away your Bill of Rights. I mean, that's how I really would say, like, start with defend the Bill of Rights and we can talk about the other issues after. Well, that was a great show. Thank you so much, Brad, for your help. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you. And I will be back next week, my regular time, 3 to 6, right here on WSB. In the meanwhile, I continue this conversation on Facebook, Twitter, at Monica Perez Show. You can check out my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And uh, I will talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.